Thanks for listening, Unplugged Army. I'm Louis Unga, General Manager at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. We're proud to present Doug Franz Unplugged. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Four minutes. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Sweep LA! Sweep LA! Sweep LA! <laughs> Everything you need to know in sports that affects Maricopa County, the state of Arizona, and the world, you get in four minutes. We start things off in Chavez Ravine, California. Oh yeah! Diamondbacks beat Los Angeles. Four to two. Tori Lavello, can you feel it? They have continued to maintain their competitive focus um, through any situation, days off, um, you know, just doesn't matter. These guys are very hungry uh, and they, they feel like they have a lot to prove. Guriel, Pham, Marte all had two hits apiece. Corbin Carroll went one for two and got on another three times via the walk as a rookie. Zach Allen, five and a third innings pitched, only gave up two earned runs. The bullpen, three and two thirds of an inning. Again, another bullpen shutout. Up 2-0 now in the series, headed to game three. And Zach Allen says, it ain't over. Job's not finished, really. Um, I mean, it's, I think what Kobe was talking about, he's like, you know, what's there to be happy about, really? Um, I think it's, it's a good spot for us to be in. D-backs have a workout at Chase Field today, but no game, so technically an off day. They go for the sweep tomorrow night at home. 6.07 first pitch, and it'll be thrown by rookie Brandon Fott. Crazy game in Atlanta. Braves even up the series at a game apiece with the Philadelphia Phillies. Braves win 5-4, coming back from a deficit. They, it was the first ever 8-5-3 that centered a third to first double play in postseason history. And it's the first time in the postseason that an outfield double play ever ended a game. Now that series heads off to Philadelphia. Today, Houston at Minnesota, 1 o'clock. That series is evened out at a game apiece. Baltimore lost the first two games at home. They're at, on the road now at Texas. First pitch, 5 o'clock. Our old friend Cameron Cox, 12 News, trying to get a little bit of sympathy to Jonathan Gannon. Hey, how tough is it right now that both your starting safeties are out? Life in the NFL. There you go. <laughs> Suck it up. Now, big news. Doug Franz Unplugged has learned there's going to be an explosive article this week that comes out of The Athletic out of the difficult workplace conditions that are for all employees for the Arizona Cardinals. In, in a preemptive strike, there are rumors that Michael Bidwell is actually going to fly all of his staff to L.A., take them out to dinner on Saturday, and then buy club seats for them on Sunday so you don't know how bad things are. Ah, we'll see if it works. How about this? Jed Fish asks, what does he have to say to the critical fans that think it's time to bench Delora? He says, be quiet. We've never listened to people outside the organization anyway. Not a good way to try to build up the fan base. They are on the road taking on Wazoo up next. ASU, I had a private conversation with the head coach yesterday that I'm about to make a tiny bit of it public. Yes, I was talking to Kenny Dillingham, and he said, have faith in Jalen Conyers. Good things are coming the rest of the way. I still wonder whether that's true. Let's take the coach's word for it. Oh, ouch, how does that feel? 
Green Bay, a loser. Three interceptions for Jordan Love. Vegas wins 17-13. And finally, the blame game. The state of Massachusetts is in a battle. Here's what's going on. They are the only state with a right to shelter rule. That means any of families that meet criteria must be given shelter. So hotels in the Boston area and throughout Massachusetts have canceled reservations for different people in order to have migrant families have a room. Guess who they just canceled rooms for? active military and a whole host of others that are coming to see the army navy game in december (laughs) what wait the state of massachusetts blames the hotels the hotels blames the state of massachusetts for the law that the state of massachusetts made Jackpot Unplugged Army, I feel like a true commander-in-chief to be able to give you such an unprecedented savings. Go to Unplugged at Whirlwind.com and check out the new membership club from Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass, Whirlwind Plus. Here's what you get. You sign up for a tee time anytime between now and five days from now, and you can save anywhere from a minimum of 30% up to 60% off plus 15% off at Civlik, the restaurant, and another 15% off in the pro shop. I'm telling you, you walk into the pro shop, get bowls, a shirt, and a hat, you walk over for happy hour with your wife, you might pay for your monthly membership right then and there. It's $34 a month, cancel anytime, or if you want to save even more, because that equals out to a little more than $400, you can get it for only $299 a year. Whirlwind Plus at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Go to unpluggedatwhirlwind.com and feel the wind. I'm Janelle, General Manager of Bell's Nashville Kitchen, a.k.a. the Whiskey Wizard. Bell's isn't your typical country bar with mediocre bar food. We are a scratch kitchen with chef-inspired dishes in the only place you can get the best sandwich in all of Arizona, our Nashville hot chicken sandwich. Now, the drinks. I spend days infusing our own whiskey creations. Come in for Whiskey Wednesdays to learn about and drink our famous whiskey selection. We have live music most days and all weekend as part of our honky-tonk brunch. Bell's Nashville Kitchen on Main Street in Old Town Scottsdale. You found home, down home. Now come on. Who said sweep the brewers? Okay, it wasn't me. I said they wouldn't. I said they wouldn't get two though. Who said sweep the Dodgers? Not me. I said the Diamondbacks would win in four games, though. Come on, Brandon Fott. Help us out. Sweet ballet. Sweet ballet. Sweet ballet. Yeah. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Whatever it is that you decided to make Doug Franz unplugged a part of your day, my family greatly appreciates it. My name is Doug Franz, and you have found the only podcast and TV show in the world totally devoted to the coverage of the four major sports franchises, including the Diamondbacks, that drops that, that it dominates one great American city that drops on your phone every weekday morning. We also cover ASU, U of HCU, Franz Rising Park. Yeah! This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. I am unbelievably jacked up. A lot of it is um, is Diamondbacks related. Full disclosure, is Diamondbacks related. But there's also this this crazy energy that you get when all of the odds are stacked against you, 
and you're going, you know what? Let's go. Let's go. And man, I, I hope there's a way that you and I in the Unplugged Army can draw on each other throughout the rest of this week because I'm going to need you and hopefully I can share my attitude and energy with you so I can lead as the commander-in-chief so you need me and it's a, and it's a symbiotic relationship and I don't even know what that word means. I mean, I am. here's why I am so jacked up. I made the crazy decision yesterday. I don't know why I did it. I started searching through flights. And I, I can't tell you enough what, you know, what Wolf means to me. You know, a lot of people think that uh, because Wolf and I would argue from time to time that that meant we weren't close. And the truth is it was, no, we were more like brothers. So that's why we were arguing, you know, there's no other way around it. And so I feel incredibly close to Wolf. Wolf has no idea what I'm doing, but I started looking at flights yesterday and I found a flight to Buffalo for $800. I'm like, oh my gosh, okay. Guess what I'm not doing? I'm not going to the uh, viewing of his brother when I saw that flight. And then, out of nowhere, I just said, okay, well, how long is the drive from Cleveland? It's only three hours from Cleveland. And then, flights to Cleveland were around 250 bucks, around 250 300 bucks. I thought, well, I can fly to Cleveland and rent a car and get there in three hours. So then I'm thinking about doing that, and I get a call from Mikey at Bell's National Kitchen, and he's going to rip me up and down for saying this. But Mikey at Bell's National Kitchen, we were talking about some other things, and then I told him what I was thinking of doing. And he goes, oh, my gosh, you've got to do it. And you know what? I'm Venmoing you $200 right now. Go, go. I'm buying this ticket. I want you there. Represent the Unplugged Army. That is Bell's National Kitchen. That's the owner of Bell's National Kitchen. Please, when you are considering where are you going to lunch, get to Bell's National Kitchen. I was blown away by that gesture. Well, I'm, I told him I'm not taking his money, but of course I was going to. And then we have one of those uh, credit cards that you build up airline miles on it. Jennifer said, well, wait a minute. She looked something up. We have a flight I'm flying to Cleveland today for 50 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> so don't worry, Mikey. We're rejecting your money. I'm jacked up. But I was gone most of the day yesterday. I went to an unbelievable get-together with Coach Kenny Dillingham so I could have some conversations with him about life. Other people were there. I talked to some ASU boosters. I talked to some just regular ASU fans. And I talked to, I don't want to say who it is, but I had a second conversation with a potential advertiser for Doug Franz Unplugged, and uh, he's excited. And then he asked me uh, specifically, I don't know why that was hard to say, did my marketing guy call you? And I said, no, he didn't have a chance. Well, I'm going to talk to him, and he's going to call you this week. (laughs) And I was like, okay. (laughs) Listen, if, if we, and I say we, if we land this, come on now. Come on now, Unplugged Army. I'm, I'm going to be asking a lot, all right? I'm going to tell you that right now. But that will finally, that would be the one that changes everything to the point where I can start giving back a lot more to you as far as better content, uh, 
I shouldn't say this, but I'm just going to say it. Paying Izzy and Jeff Weir Production what they deserve and being able to maybe bring somebody. I mean, and, and the content can get even better on Doug Franz Unplugged, on the main event, and on Izzy on Sports. I, I'm jacked up for this opportunity. You've helped me get here, and now I'm just going to put it right back on you. Okay, now let's help get even better. But it was such a productive day, but it was productive in a way that's different from content on Doug Franz Unplugged. So then I get home. I'm in a match. I didn't, I, I took intern McKenna with me so because I wanted her to meet some of the people. And, uh, and then I didn't get home, gosh, until about 10.30, I think it was. Uh, maybe it was 9.30. I can't remember. So I watched the first four or five innings of the Diamondbacks game at a sports bar. So, like, I know what happened. But I don't know what happened in my analytical sense, you know, to really drive points home. So then I got home and I watched the end of the game. So I have like a more analytical sense of that. So I'm sorry to let you down. But obviously, the decision, which I know in my heart is the right one. I'm not trying to surprise Wolf. Uh, he doesn't know that I'm coming. But I said this as a joke yesterday. It is the total truth. I think it's such a stupid, hilarious statement. But I really get it. And it's Yogi Berra has some of the craziest phrases you've ever heard. You know, uh, just to make you laugh, I'll go through some of them. So the one I'm referring to now is the one I said yesterday. If you don't go to other people's funerals, they won't come to yours. (laughs) It's funny every time. (laughs) But doesn't it make sense? And I have learned through the years, I've seen the looks on people's faces when I come walking into a funeral, when I come walking into a viewing, and I've traveled great distance to get there. And they're like, wow, why are you here? You didn't have to come. And I, I know I didn't have to. But I know what it means to be able to just show your face and say, I'm here. And it's happened to me, okay? Um, my grandmother passed in 2016. So we flew back into town from Phoenix for that get-together, and one of my best friends from high school showed up at the funeral because he knew what my grandma meant to me. And it was just, it's just little things like that. I'm like, wow, wow. You know, and even though I only talked to him, uh, he drove an hour and a half or whatever it was to the, to the viewing, and he's, I only talked to him for about five minutes, but it's just that instantaneous connection that, that I know how much that meant to me. So I like to do that for other people. So it's going to be crazy. I'm going to try to podcast tomorrow from the airport. Um, CEO Chris doesn't even know this. I was trying to get a red eye back so I could do Thursday's show. I won't be able to do Thursday's show, so I'll be back on Friday for the video portion here on WTSMTV.com. And, uh, but audio-wise, I'm going to try to do something, but I haven't yet figured out how I'm going to be able to pull that off. Spending the night in Cleveland tonight, driving to Buffalo tomorrow, and then uh, I'm going to be at the viewing for a few hours, basically until I feel like you know I, I should leave because I don't want to be in anybody's way, and then I'm going to drive right back to Cleveland, and, uh, and then I'm going to go to Cleveland and spend the night at the same hotel. I might even leave my bathroom bag at the same hotel, and then board a flight early in the morning, but I'll be flying during Doug Franz Unplugged on Thursday. And then I won't be able to go to Wednesday night's D-backs game, but I'm going to go to Thursday's D-backs game. So it's crazy, crazy time right now. And that's why I'm jacked up because I, I my wife somewhat packed for me last night, but I got home and after that D-backs game, I'm like, I'm done. I'm done. I got to shut it down. I'm exhausted. I got to shut it down. So 
Jeff Weir production came in early today, cranked out all of the Jed Fish sound, cranked out all of the Jonathan Gannon sound, cranked out tons of Diamondback sound. Izzy came in early to pitch in. So it's just so cool when you work somewhere where everybody says, all right, one of, one of our own has kind of got his head swimming upstream right now. Let's let's jump in and let's pile in and let's help out. So it's really cool today how everybody is helping me kind of get everything organized. But I haven't packed, so I'm going to run home at 8 o'clock, pack up, and then I, I will drop the podcast from home today. It'll be a little bit later um, when the audio portion drops, and, and then i got to get to the airport and, and fly out. So kind of a crazy, crazy day. But it, it jacks me up to be able to pull everything off this week even though the uh, the head is swimming. So thank you for everything you're doing for me for a little grace of uh, if I if I miss a thing or two today. But I, I don't think we have. I think we've got a ton of stuff and we're ready to go for uh, everything that's uh, that's on tap. Um, you know, I'll save my Cardinals information for a Cardinals segment because obviously Diamondbacks are number one. And uh, uh, Jeff Weir Production, I, I might need your help on this. Uh, sound credits today. we got azcardinals.com with Jonathan Gannon. ArizonaWildcast.com with Jed Fish. MLB.tv slash MLBPR department. I don't know which. MLB.com. MLB, okay, MLB.com gave us the press conference sound. So we've got Zach Gallen, Paul Seawald, and um, Tori Lovello for that. And I think that's it. Can okay. you think? That's all I've gotten, yep. Okay, good. Then I, I think we're on the, on the same page. All right, you ready? You ready? Let's roll. Doug's Big One. Doug's big one today is is very simple. The Arizona Diamondbacks are fire right now, and my opinion is the why. Why are they on fire? First and foremost, this is a national story, and it should be. It's fair. The Dodgers are chokers. Yes, they won in 2020, but they won in a non-fan environment without attendance, without the pressure of playing at home and having a grumbling crowd that's upset that you're down 5 nothing in the first in Game 1, down 2 nothing in the first in Game 2. They grumble about that. They can't get over that. And then the pressure mounts, and their players, are, are they're just not what they act like they are. So you can slay this monster. There's less pressure on their immense talent over the course of 162 games than there are on those first two games. That's a national topic, and it's real because look how many times. Same thing happened last year to them and the Padres, okay? And it's happened many times before under Dave Roberts, all right? He's, he's a wonderful regular season manager. But the pressure of the playoffs, see, the way analytics are used, they work because it's over a long sample size. It's over a long period of time that if you make this move in this situation, let's say, and I'm making this number up, let's say move A works 70% of the time. Well, then you keep doing it with, with the money that the Dodgers have spent on their players. You've got better players and if something works 70% of the time, by the time 162 games have played out, you've won a lot of games because of those decisions. This is going to sound like a yogiism, but in the postseason, that 30% happens more often. <laughs> I love that phrase. I just made that up, and I'm going to use that forever. In the postseason, 30% happens more often. But it's listen, you can argue it, but you get my point. You've got to have a feel for the game. 
you've got to understand how to manage the people better and not just the generic equation of the situation. He can't do that. He doesn't have that skill. And a lot of people get bent out of shape about an opinion like I'm having because here's a guy that wins 100 games a year and I'm saying he's not a World Series championship manager and he's already got a World Series ring. And they're like, who the hell is this guy? You know, that's what people would say who don't know me. I'm telling you, though, you take away COVID, Dave Roberts does not have a world championship ring because the pressure his players aren't prepared for. And the diamond, so that is the story nationally. And I'm not trying to change it. I think it's a fair story. But as far as our specific Diamondbacks are going, why are they 4-0 in the postseason? Number one, a little bit of television. The television schedule has benefited the Arizona Diamondbacks a little bit to be able to have this stretch of games with Kelly and uh, uh, and Zach Allen. But it also, the number two reason, you know, I should say the number one reason. The bullpen has been fantastic. Hats off to Mike Hazen. I don't know why in the world you left spring training thinking that was a bullpen, but this bullpen they have right now is so legit how many earned runs have they given up in the postseason? Boom. Fantastic. Fantastic. And this is hilarious to me because can we end the Bill James debate? If you're not a hardcore analytic guy in baseball, you have no idea what I'm talking about. But an analytics genius, and he deserves, I, I even think he should go into the Hall of Fame as a contributor to the game. I do respect Bill James that much. But... He is a believer in whatever is the biggest profile inning, and it varies every game, whether it's the fifth, the seventh, the ninth, the third, whenever it is. Whoever your high-leverage reliever is or what other people would call a closer, bring him in that inning. His opinion is it's harder to close out the sixth inning with two runners on and one out than it is to close out the ninth inning with nobody on. So he says, get out of your head this idea that I need one guy to close the ninth inning because you're liable to blow the game in the sixth waiting to bring in your closer. And now your best pitcher, your best reliever, is on the bench, quote-unquote, or in the bullpen while you lose the game in the seventh. I think it's a wonderful theory. I actually totally believe in the theory, except for one thing. Human beings play baseball. You don't go up to the plate with a calculator. You can't look at a pitch and say, wait a minute, there was only a 25% chance you were supposed to throw that and get bent out of shape. Analytics in the postseason is so overblown by the mathematicians. Doug's big one today is understand the analytics and understand why you've got to break them. One of the greatest managers of all time, Tony LaRussa, who understood analytics also would say, if you manage by analytics, I can beat you because now I know what you're going to do. You don't know what I'm going to do. Doesn't that make perfect sense? That's what's happening in this Diamondbacks-Dodgers series. And what also is happening is when you get a closer, like Seawald now takes care of the ninth, what it does is it establishes everybody else. You're Mr. Eighth Inning. Ginkle, you're Mr. Seventh Inning Thompson. Sal Frank, you're just some young rookie that doesn't understand you shouldn't be doing this well. So we can put you into this situation. 
And that's why this bullpen has been lights out. And that's why the Arizona Diamondbacks are 4-0. And what's great is Mike Hazen led a revolution in this organization to get highly more analytical. And they do a lot of things by the analytics. But he acquiesced on the closer. He accepted a human being needs that because all the other human beings feed off the responsibility of having a closer. The starting pitching is better when they know I don't have to be perfect. I have a bullpen. A lot of good starting pitchers, not great, especially good ones, they overthrow, they overcompensate. They try to pace themselves. They don't use their best stuff in the first four, five, six innings because they think, I'm going to lose the game if I don't pitch seven. So I've got to get 21 outs. I've got to go seven innings. And therefore, I'm not going to say they don't try as hard, but it's more important to them in the third inning to, to not really challenge guys. They, they, they can nibble because they're afraid. I can't get runners on base because my bullpen can't handle it. I can't let runners on base because if I do let a runner on base, now I'm going to have to pitch in high leverage innings. I'm going to get my pitch count up in the 30s, and then they're going to pull me early, and then the game's over because our bullpen stinks. Suddenly you take the mound with the confidence and the mindset that says my bullpen can handle it. You're not as afraid to challenge guys. Remember this. This isn't analytics. Remember the simple batting average. The greats of the game make an out 70% of the time. You have the advantage as the pitcher. That guy makes an out 70% of the time. Challenge him. Don't be afraid of him. Don't put the count in his favor because you're nibbling. Challenge him. Be the athlete you were meant to be. Get on the mound, have some onions, and attack somebody. And when a pitcher pitches with that attitude, guess what happens? More outs. <laughs> you get more outs, then you actually do pitch longer into the games, and that helps the bullpen. The confidence, the mental attitude of the pitcher blows analytics away. And that's what we're seeing, and that's why the Diamondbacks' bullpen hasn't given up an earned run. That's why the starting pitching, other than Brandon Fott, looks really good. And that's why the Arizona Diamondbacks are 4-0 up right now in the postseason and one game away from back-to-back sweeps. Let's go. All right. All right, that sucks big one. Let's jump into D-backs now as a whole in the game. Sorry for that break. I was on a roll. I needed all that. Um, Jeff Weir Production, if you could jump on the email, let's just start rolling because I'm all jacked up. Zach Allen, you know the standard question that you can't stand getting because you're the one that always talks about touch. You're the one that always talks about feel. You're the one that's very detail-oriented about your motion. How did you feel out there? Oh, by the way, the media has a little joke for you. Zach, Steve is telling me to ask how you felt on the mound tonight. I asked if he got banned for his silly question from the other day. That's why he's not in here. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I felt fine. Um, I felt like it started to click when I got out there. Um, you know, bullpen was felt all right. Um, and then when I got out there, just kind of got into the flow of the game. But, yeah, delivery just was felt solid. I felt like everything was coming out of my hand pretty solid for the most part. What he was saying there is because everybody, he has such detailed questions or answers normally to how he feels. The media guy was, jo- the uh, questioner was joking and saying, Steve wanted me to ask you as if it's not on him. 
when Steve is Steve Gilbert, the MLB.com writer for the D-backs, or the D-backs.com writer, so that was pretty good. But you see that he, he felt great about everything that he was doing, and that was, uh, that was important. And then Zach was, was not ready. Zach, uh, in the game, pitched five and a third. You know that's not enough for Zach. He wasn't thrilled with coming out, but that was more of a fire in the belly than a disrespect to Tory. Yeah, for sure. Um, obviously, I don't. I don't like coming out. You know, especially in the middle of an inning, especially in in, in the six when I feel like I was throwing fine. Um, but Tori, you know, had, had laid it out for me just kind of before the inning and then after the inning. And you know, I get it. I mean, it's October. Um, you know, if that's what he felt like was going to put us in the best position to win, um, you know, I'm fine with it. And I mean, I think it worked out. So yeah, it's fine by me. It's interesting listening to him there. Obviously, they won, and, and he's okay since, since they won. But it shows you how great the bullpen is. I Listen, I think it's my job to tell you how I feel about things so you can criticize me just as much as I criticize decision makers as well. It worked. I'm glad it worked. I, I would have left Zach Gallen in a little bit longer. And the reason why is I would would have wanted less bullpen use going into a Brandon Fott start. Brandon Fott starts tomorrow. <clears throat> I'm going to be shocked if we get three innings out of him. You hold Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts down. They've had one hit and I believe 14 at-bats. I'd have to look up that number. I believe they're 1-14 so far in this series. I think they're going to rake in game three. And we've got to be ready for that. And Brandon Fott might only get through the lineup one and a half times before he gets yanked. I hope I'm wrong. Of course I hope I'm wrong. But I'm worried about game three because I just want to end this thing now. I don't want to give them any life. I don't want them to get their feelings back. I don't want them to start feeling like they're making good contact just to walk into a game with, uh, with Zach Allen or Merrill Kelly in game four, probably Merrill Kelly. I don't want that. I want to be able to just handle the business now, but I, I don't think Brandon Fott's going to be able to. So, therefore, we're going to need more bullpen. Now, in defense of Tory, he's looking at it like, I've got an off day coming up, meaning today, but in his mind yesterday. So, I had a, a healthy and rested bullpen who had a day off before the Dodgers series, a couple days off, actually, before the Dodgers series, then had a day off in between games one and two. Now, they get another off day today between games two and three. My bullpen's rested for my rookie starter. I'll be fine. I get it. I just wanted more Zach Allen, but what he did obviously wins. And then Torrey, um, in the exact opposite way, uh, I was really fascinated by this, by, by a couple Tories. This is him talking about the exact same subject I'm bringing up about how he's using the bullpen and why he went after Zach Allen. Yeah, I just wanted to flip that lineup, um, that part of the lineup. Um, you know, we have we have some strategies that we've talked about as a group and some things that we, we strongly believe in. Um, Zach, I felt like he had maybe 10 to 15 more pitches. And if it was the middle of July, I would have 100% let him continue moving in that direction. But, um, you know, you're starting, starting to add and subtract and, and you're counting batters. Uh, I think the reason why we won this game is we didn't turn that lineup over a fifth time to the fifth time um, to the top. So our, our pitchers went out and did a great job. Um, our bullpen, it started with Zach. 
he understood the move, um, and I explained it to him a little before the inning when he went, when he went before he went out there. Uh, and look, everything, all the personal stuff aside, right now, it's about going out and winning a baseball game. And he understood that. So let's get into the the specific schematics of that decision, and then let's get into what he meant at the end of that. And and thanks again for pulling everything, Jeff Weir Production, because this is this is so cool that Tori's opening up and helping us get in the mind. He said he wanted to flip that lineup. Okay, here's what that meant. Mookie Betts, righty. Freddie Freeman, lefty. Will Smith, righty. Max Muncie, lefty. J.D. Martinez, righty. So one through five, right, left, right, left, right. Manager's nightmare if you're going against that because you can't really match up very well because a lefty against a lefty advantage pitcher. Lefty against a righty advantage hitter. If you've never known why that is, it's because of a longer view of the pitch, number one. When it's coming from the opposite side, that that batter gets a better view. If you're a right-handed batter on a right-handed pitcher, the arm angle of the pitcher is facing third base. So therefore, it's almost out the side of your eye. If I'm a right-handed hitter myself, so if I'm standing like this, sorry about the microphone, I'll kind of yell. So if I'm standing like this, I'm looking this way, okay? A right-handed pitch, or, from a, or a pitch from a righty, is coming through here. A pitch from a lefty is coming down over here. Look at all of this space in front of me I can see, but over here i got to turn my head even more. All right, And then with a breaking ball, a breaking ball to a righty, from a righty to a righty, come, kind of comes looking like it's going to hit you in the ear and then comes down across the plate. But from a lefty, it comes from a sweeping almost out of the second baseman's head. I see it this whole time. It makes it easier to hit. So that's why when they go right, left, right, left, right, it's hard to match up. However, hitters six, seven, eight, nine, left, 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 right. So when Tory says, I want to flip the lineup, what he's saying is, I want to get a situation in where if I'm going to pitch a lefty against their lefties, then they're going to put in pinch hitters and be right-handed heavy. And I believe in my lefty, Joe Mantiply, to be able to get out right-handed hitters, that, or Sal Frank, uh, being, um, not being... Uh, a uh, sorry that I got confused for uh, for a second, uh, but not but, or or Sal Frank because he's a lefty, so he believes in Sal Frank. He believes in Mantiply to be able to get right-handed hitters out because you know he's going to put them in against lefties, and then Dave Roberts is going to be able to, to switch. So with that, you're going to be able to make that move. Okay, so now that you've got the lineup switched, you can come back with your righties against their righties. That's the advantage. That's what we're looking at. So that's what he meant by that. Now, the second half of that quote, what I loved about it, is he's referring to what he wants to be able to see going forward and his communication with Zach. I communicated with Zach why I'm doing it. And my biggest critique of Tori Lovello is he's too nice. He cares. I, I love him for it, but it's not the way you win. He worries about too many people's feelings. What I heard right there is, hey, it's not personal, but it's almost like I can't worry about people's feelings. He would be a dramatically better manager if he sticks to that more often. Um, quick production note, uh, Jeff Weir, I just um, got a text from Jeff Schneider that says he hasn't received a link for 7 o'clock, if you could. I, uh, s- I sent it about 10 minutes ago. Oh, you're on fire. Then I'll, uh, I'll bust him. <laughs> um, so then let's get to this one. 
uh, when we talk about the bullpen organization and then Tori's comment of I wanted to flip the lineup and then get things set up, this shows you why this team is improving. And then here is Paul Seawald talking about his role and how the bullpen lines up. You know, I was brought on because, you know, things had not been going great in the pen in Arizona for the first few months of the season, but the rest of the team felt like, you know, they had a playoff team. And, and I was excited to come over and see what I could do to help. And um, I think I was a big step in making sure everyone kind of took a step back and just relaxed and, and settled into, a, you know, the eighth or the seventh and kind of go from there. And um, I just want to give Ryan Thompson a lot of credit when he got here uh, right at September 1st and and took over kind of that seventh inning role. It really started to, you know, to to blend into six, seven, eight, nine was was everybody knew their role. And um, Salty, you know, a rookie, he has what does he have? Eight, nine innings career. And um, he's coming in some huge situations here in the postseason and and handled them really well and um, makes my job a lot easier when, you know, they keep putting up zeros towards the back of the game and, and uh, you know, then I have I have a comfortable lead. I um, I'm I like the boy. First of all, Paul, where's your jersey? He looks so dressed up. For the, I like the the breakdown of how he's looking at the set lineup and how it. And when I say lineup, that's more for batting, but but the setup per inning. I think it's huge for players to know your role, and that goes back to me being a embracer of Bill James's theories, but not all of them in practice. Give everybody a role so they know when to get mentally geared up. They can get focused in the exact same way every time. Think about a putter. You know, if even if you don't know golf very well, but think about somebody shooting free throws. The best free throw shooters and the best putters go through the exact same system, the exact same setup every time. And when they go through that setup, then everything's great. And they get into a better rhythm and they make more putts, they make more free throws. To me, it's no different than a bullpen guy that knows I pitch the eighth inning. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to start getting ready when the seventh inning ends and look who my first three batters are. I'm going to start stretching while I'm talking to the pitch, the uh, the bullpen coach about the matchup so I know what's going on. I'm going to go through the same routine when there's one out, when there's two outs. Okay, I'm going to throw these final three pitches before I come running out of the – everything's in line. That's what I do. And I think you get better results that way, and that's kind of what he's referring to. Uh, Tori, uh, I like this. Tori, I, we saw that you kind of talked to Zach Allen, and you went a little bit behind the tunnel. Was it a little heated? What was that conversation like when you took Zach out of the game? Zach is extremely competitive. Uh, I'll leave it right there. But um, I caught him. I let him come down underneath. Uh, we, were in the, we were in the hallway behind the dugout, and I just I explained it to him exactly the way I would have explained it to the pitching coach or the bench coach. And he interprets that and he gets it and he understands it. Now, um, he's he's got a fire in his belly like I've never seen, right? He wants to stay out there for as long as he possibly can. But I went as far as being able to say, like, I want to turn the lineup over to get all their right-handed batters into this game um, and, and hear that loud and clear. Okay. If you didn't see the game, uh, Zach Allen – is kind of not reserved, but he has such a controlled fire. You don't always see it. And let me cheat and get the exact moment of the game that I am, uh, um, that I'm referring to. But in, I think it was the bottom of the fifth, two on two out for the diamond for the Dodgers at the plate. 
and it was a fire-in-the-belly moment in which Freddie Freeman is at the plate, and he absolutely froze Freddie. Uh, I'm cheating to make sure. Yeah, I got it right. It's the bottom of the fifth. Uh, David Peralta, former D-back, a line-out. Uh, Outman, uh, make sure I have the same thing. Okay, Outman then got a walk. Uh, Rojas got a single, so there's two on. And then you got the Mookie Betts ground out. So that was huge. You get a Mookie Betts ground out, but he is able to leg it out, no double play. So now we got runners on first and third with one of the greatest base runners in the history of the game on first base. That's where we're lined up. And remember, base running just isn't stealing. Mookie Betts has such a high baseball IQ. That's why I say that. I'm not saying he's Willie Mace, Lou Brock, Ricky Henderson, and now we might have to put Acuna Jr. uh, into this category as well. But the great base runners just know the game so well. When can I take chances? When can I be aggressive? So you've got those two on, two out. Even even a good shot into the gap is scoring uh, Mookie Betts with two outs because he's going to go on contact. So it's kind of a scary moment. And Freddie Freeman's at the plate, and he gets frozen absolutely frozen for strike three tell us about that pitch sequence Zach um yeah I mean my thought was that um I felt pretty good with the curveball um um base open so it was looking for a swing and miss um you know Freddie's Freddie's Freddie so it's it's obviously a tough at bat you got to kind of you know craft those those sequences a little bit differently um but the curveball really I was I was just trying to throw it at the bottom of the zone I wasn't trying to bury it by any means um just you know give him something that he had to think about swinging at um I felt like it just kind of came out of my hand a little high and then halfway there just I was like oh he's not going to swing at this like it just didn't it just didn't seem seem to me like he wasn't going to swing at it um you know so I'm I'm glad I kind of you know shifted my approach just a little bit on the sense of all right I'm going to try and keep this in the strike zone um I didn't mean for it to be you know that center cut in the strike zone though I like. I didn't mean for it to be there. Here's what happens if you're a hitter in that situation: you're looking fastball. You're you're looking a couple maybe change up. You're kind of looking fastball change up a little bit, and your focus is if he tries that knuckle curve, he's going to throw it at the bottom of the zone. It'll fall out of the zone, and then I'm swinging at a ball, and now I'm going to either ground out. Or I'm going to strike out. So you have it in your head. I'm not swinging at your knuckle curve. I'm ready for fastball. I'm ready for. I'm ready for any other pitch. Whatever you're going to do, I'm ready. But I am not going to swing at your knuckle curve. Well, then he did something. That there's no way Freddie thought he threw a high knuckle curve that dropped just a little into the strike zone. So Freddie's looking at it, sees the spin. I'm not swinging at that knuckle curve. Oh, sh- bank blank. Where's my beat? He goes, oh, (laughs) like that, because he realizes now that pitch I said I'm not swinging at, that's going to be a ball if he throws it, is strike three, and he can't move, and he can't move, and you're just frozen at a time. The crowd goes, oh, how can you take that pitch? But if he would have swung at a low curve ball that drops into the dirt, everybody would have said, oh, how could you swing at that pitch? That's what happens. That's the greatness of this game. All of that back and forth is going on, and quite frankly, it wasn't a very good pitch. He left it when he said center cut. It was middle middle. It was that pitch was yelling, "Hit me!" Three run homer as soon as he let it go, and Freddie's thinking, "I'm not swinging at that knuckle curve," and it got him. And you know what? Freddie still had the right approach because most pitchers would have done that. That was I'm not gonna say it was brilliant of Zach Allen to not 
you know, achieve the desired result from letting go of that pitch, but it did achieve the desired result because it was so foreign to what Freddie was looking for. That's the that's the insides of the game that I just absolutely love. Okay. Um, I think this one's important. This is Paul Seawald, the closer, talking about why this bullpen is is not scored upon yet. Why this bullpen is pitching a shutout and what that means for the whole team. We're playing with nothing to lose. Why would we why would we play with anything to lose? We're the sixth seed. We weren't supposed to win in Milwaukee. No one picked us to win there. No one's going to pick us to, to beat the Dodgers when we haven't played well against them. And um, I just think we're going out there with a lot of, you know, confidence to, you know, not afraid to lose. Um, it certainly helps when you score six in the first and three in the first to feel better about yourself, obviously. So um, nothing to take away from our huge first innings that really make us, you know, it's easy to play downhill. It's a lot harder to play uphill. So um, scoring in the first has been huge, especially, you know, with 60,000 people here and, and, and kind of calming them down a bit. Listen, I'm a fan. I am so jacked up. But at the same time, I have to continually eat it because I was so wrong about this team when they played in late July and all of August. They were trash. Just say it. They were plain trash. And I've always said bad teams just simply find ways to lose. They don't do things right, and they do stupid things. And that's exactly what the Diamondbacks were doing. Listen to what Paul Seawald is talking about now, Okay. We don't have anything to lose, so we don't have the pressure. Number two, we keep getting these early leads against the Dodgers, so everybody is relaxed. Number three, every shutout inning by the bullpen helps then build the confidence to go out and have another shutout inning. And it's all rolling on to itself. Offense getting the lead. Starting pitching, pitching until the bullpen is ready. Bullpen being dominant behind one of the best defenses in Major League Baseball, especially once Cattell Marte got his head screwed on straight and started playing better defense. Things are going great because they're finding ways to win, and they're following this same pattern. It's not easy, okay? An entire organization of human beings are all geared to beat the Diamondbacks right now, and all of their money isn't winning. That's D-backs baseball, man. That that's I mean, how does that not how does that not jack you up? It does. It totally does uh, of me uh, of where we're at. Okay, this is now in reverse. You just heard Seawald talk about how everybody is doing well because so many other people are playing well that it helps the bullpen have confidence. Zach, how does the bullpen shutouts affect you as a starting pitcher? Yeah, I think. I mean, ideally, I think. Um the plan would be that, you know, your guys get you through six, seven. Um, that usually means that they pitch pretty well, um, especially in October. Like you said, the, the leashes tend to be a little bit shorter. So if a guy's going out there for six or seven, um, that means he's, he's pretty much in control. Um, but, I, I mean, I can't credit our bullpen enough. I mean, uh, I don't think it's any secret that, you know, these guys down there struggled midway through the season. Um, so for them just to kind of have the resiliency um, – and you know, on the biggest stage right now, they're they're coming up clutch for us. Um, so yeah, that's that's my thought. Is like, all right, you know, I there's I don't know how many guys are in the bullpen, eight, nine, whatever. I don't know what the numbers are, but you know, there's eight, nine guys down there that I feel confident handing the ball over to. Um, so yeah, it's it's good as a, as a pitcher knowing that you can kind of let it go, even if it's you know five or six innings. Jeff, for your production, does it screw you up if I change the rotation that you have? No, just oh, give me a heads up. Oh, you're wonderful. Let's go three one twelve ten. 
ignore the email. Go Tory three, Tory one, Tory twelve, Tory ten. So three one twelve ten is what I'm going to go. And the reason why I'm switching to Tory three, Tory is going to talk about roster construction, and I, I just it just grabbed me right after what Zach Allen said. I've already made the point: confidence in the bullpen leads to a more confident pitcher, things like that. So that was the beginning of what Zach talked about, and then he said, "I don't know how many guys are out there eight nine. This is a really interesting point. We talk about who's a better manager during a game. But in the playoffs, you have your whole roster and then you have a playoff roster. So there's guys let that are left off the playoff roster or in the case of Jake McCarthy who get hurt and are not on the playoff roster anymore. The reason why this is important is you hear exactly what Zach Gallen said, the eight or nine guys in the bullpen. That means more players are bench players, not bullpen guys that then Tori Lovello can match up the Dodgers' bullpen with. The Dodgers' roster construction is the exact opposite. They want different arms to go against somebody else's offense, but it hamstrings Dave Roberts in order to be able to get the matchups he wants offensively. And this is an area where the Diamondbacks as an organization, I don't know if you say out-organized the Dodgers, because it's not necessarily out-managed, because this is a decision with general manager, assistant general manager, scouts. They all have a little bit of input when it comes to who you put on your playoff roster. This is a big point by Tori Lovello here in light of, remember, Zach Allen just said, the eight or nine guys in the bullpen for the Diamondbacks listen to the roster construction for Tory and how that set things up. Right, that was the strategy <clears throat> for sure. Um, that conversation started it started uh, when we saw they were thirteen and thirteen and had a four man bench. So we were we were you know strategizing as a staff and as a group about what do we want lineups to look like. How are we gonna? Try to maximize situations. Look, their their bench players are very good with Taylor Hernandez, um, Barnes, and Wong. Don't get me wrong; it's just that it lines up where the back end of our bullpen is is very right-handed, and uh, we, we we want that matchup right on right every time we can take it. Right, and once you empty your bench in the sixth inning, there's no moves to make for the rest of the game. Right. Um, well, yeah. I mean, he did everything he had to, right? I, right? I think every manager would have done that. There's your one shot. You're trying to make a push there against Saul Frank, um, a rookie pitcher. But, yeah, at that point, it's um, it's an empty bench. Barnes is the last remaining player. And, you know, you can, you can pick your, your targets and pick your matchups very well. I admit, to people that don't love baseball or don't know the game, this stuff is boring. Okay, like Doug, you're jacked up about roster construction. Okay, I get it. I get it. But the reason why I get so jacked up is do you realize what he's talking about and what he focused on there? Okay, it's probably a dumb thing to do, but the track record, recent track record backs it up. This is Tori Lovello basically saying we're able to outmanage them because of a rookie, because this South Frank dude who just showed up in the middle of the year. We can trust him. So here is Dave Roberts saying, ha, I got you. I can now flip it. I can get my righties in the lineup against your rookie lefty. And Sal Frank shuts them down. Well, <laughs> shut, shuts them down might be a, a, a little bit strong, okay? That that could be a, a little strong. I, I, I get it because um, 
uh, Sal Frank came in a little bit later and it was starting to get a little hairy. But when he comes in and he gets everybody out, now it's flipped. Now you you put all of your eggs into that basket, Dave Roberts. You got all your righties lined up against the rookie lefty. It didn't work. Now we can line up all of our right-handed pitchers against your righties and your bench is depleted. You're done. We are ahead of the Dodgers 2-0 because we beat them on roster construction, because we beat them out of the bullpen, because of the early uh, inning runs, early game runs, and because of rookies like Sal Frank and Corbin Carroll. I mean, let's go. It's so awesome. Uh, Tori, what's the key to everything of you guys being able to get out on fire right from the beginning in the top of the first inning on back-to-back game one and two? It told me that our team was ready to, to, to come out and play the game the way that we have been. Um, we talk about making statements early. You get a captain goal. Um, that's that, the same one? No, no, you were fine. You were you were playing the right one. I was just reminding you we we're going to do 12 and 10 next. I apologize. No, it's okay. If you wonder what happened, Jeff Weir Production correctly turns my mic off during the um, cuts, and then I was reminding him because I, I was the one that switched things up, so I wanted to help, and I helped too much, and I got in the way. That's what happened. But what he's talking about there, and I could just recap it, is being aggressive right from the jump and knowing what's going to happen. And if you already have paid attention, you've done the scouting work, you've done the film work, you're more prepared for the at-bat. A lot of times guys in the regular season get lazy, and they don't do it. And then that shows when you get into slumps and swoons. Now, some slumps just happen. It's not a lack of preparation. But you can see how focused the guys are right from the beginning. And then that home crowd starts piling on their own team. Listen, get to the game tomorrow night. Oh, by the way, it's a sellout. Ha, that's awesome. Get to Thursday's game. But when you're there, if the D-backs start to struggle, get louder, okay? Listen, it's your money. Do what you want, all right? If you want to boo, if they're playing like, listen, an air, okay. But I'm telling you, it's a dramatic difference if we lift these guys up. Trey Turner was a disaster for the Phillies, got booed all the time. And out of nowhere, after a couple bad games, suddenly the fans started cheering for him like crazy. And it was almost like, wait, this isn't rocket science, just relax. And he started to get a couple hits. And oh my gosh, Phillies fans fell in love with Trey. And Trey Turner started telling everybody what it meant to be a Philly and what that moment meant to him. That's what we're talking about. Okay? Be like that. Um, Okay. Uh, let's get to uh, Corbin Carroll. Uh, this is Tory 12, Jeff Weir production. Here's what I love about this one. We, we're doing so well, we forget. Do you realize Corbin Carroll went one for two with three walks? Three, you know the patience it takes for a rookie to get three walks in front of 50,000 people on the road? And we've got him for what? How long is that contract extension, Tory? We try not to say that there's one target on our on our roster. We believe in being nine strong, um, but Corbin has uh, an unbelievable knack for rising to the occasion, for understanding what the at bat is asking for, and then going out there and executing it. I, I look at him often, and I cannot believe that he's 23 years old. Uh, I look at him often, and I'm thankful that he's going to be a Diamondback for the next 10 years. Years, 10 years, we got for 10 years. Well, that's even better than the Goldie contract. I thought the Goldie contract was going to be the greatest contract in Diamondbacks history. 
It's it's the Corbin Carroll contract. There's no way you could get that kid for $100 million right now. No way. He's been fantastic. All right, last one. Uh, Tori, who's pitching tomorrow? Who's the starter? Be the game three starter to announce. Yeah, Brandon Fott will start game three for us. Okay, thank you. So here we go. The rookie. Man, he's going to need our support. He's going to need our support. Uh, even if the old lady behind you is upset at you for standing up, somebody gets two strikes, I don't care if it's the first batter, first inning, this is a rookie, all right? Pick him up. Pick him up. And he walked somebody, couldn't give him a clap. Hey, you're okay, Brandon. I know I'm asking you to go Little League. I realize how cheeseball that is. You're spending over $100 to go to a postseason game, and some Yahoo on a camera this morning is saying, now be nice. Be nice. Let's go, D-backs. Okay, I get it. But that's what this young man's going to need, all right? Let's go. An hour of D-backs coverage today because they deserved it. I'm jacked up for it. Thanks for being a part of it. Coming up next, I think we have something that's the next step in the evolution of WTSM TV, and I think it's going to lead to a sports revolution in the city of Phoenix. Do you know what's coming? Coop is coming. I'm going to tell you more about it next. This is Doug Franz Unplugged. Presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WTSMTV.com. It's hot. We've had a pretty hot summer here in Arizona. Who can you trust with your air conditioning? There's only one place my family has ever trusted in Arizona, and that's Parker & Sons Heating, Cooling, Plumbing, and Electrical. Call 602 to repair. That's 602, the number two, then R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker and Sons. And the reason why I suggest them to you as passionately as I possibly can is I know they've showed up on time to my home every time. And they've gotten it right the first time every time. And they've treated me fairly every time. What else can you say? Plus, they don't charge anything for nights, weekends, emergencies, That means something, because when your air conditioner goes out in the summer in Arizona, that's an emergency. You need repairs fast, and you can trust Parker & Sons. How do I know? Because my family does. 602-2-REPAIR. That's 602, the number two, then R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker & Sons. Rosati Sports Pub in Chandler. It's on Ray & McQueen. Sounds like a sports bar. What's the difference? You walk in, and they actually have games on TV with the sound on. How many times do you walk into a supposed sports bar and they've got loud music on or somebody playing live or some kind of trivia game going on and you're there to watch the game? If you're like me, a simple guy, give me my pizza, give me my wings, give me my cold beer and make sure I can hear the Suns and D-backs, then you want Rosati Sports Pub and Chandler. All members of the Unplugged Army, welcome. Rosati Sports Pub, give me the game. Really? Really jacked up, not only because of my crazy week I'm about to embark on, my great night last night, and the work of Jeff Weir Production and Izzy today to kind of hold my hand because I've had a lot going on and they've been fantastic. But also, today is the day where the evolution continues of WTSMTV.com. And I'm so excited to announce a new show here on WTSM-TV, and that is Bruce Cooper from 12 News for years and years and years, the most experienced, deep inside dude in the Valley. He has decided to jump back into television on his own terms, and he's going to join us every Tuesday 
I think 12 o'clock. Isn't that right, Jeff Weir Production? Does that sound right? That sounds right. Okay, good. Every Tuesday at 12 o'clock. But what's also cool about this is Jeff Schneider has been the guy that's been in charge of sports at 12 News this whole time. And behind the scenes, guys, never get the attention, never get on camera, and man, do they have stories. So there's nobody that's going to be able to get more out of Bruce Cooper than Jeff Schneider, and he joins us right now. And uh, this is all. Jeff, thank you for joining us at WTSM-TV. And what's great is out of all of your years of caring about camera shots, backgrounds, it's great to see that you don't care anymore and you could just show me half of the outside, a little bit of patio, and the ceiling. Great to see you. You know, we spend so much money on fixing up the backyard that um, I had to show a little bit of it. (laughs) So, first of all, thank you. Thanks for choosing us. I am so jacked up for this beginning and the the class and character of Bruce coming in. It elevates us to a point we could never have gotten without him. But at the same time, you're the ringleader. We, you know, I know it. I don't know if everybody else knows it, but I know it. And I, I'll just ask you point blank. Feel free to rip me if I deserve it. Why? Why did you choose us? Because I'm sure you had a lot of other options and ideas. Well, I mean, obviously, you and I have had a relationship. You have been coming in and you have been doing sports tonight uh, for us for the last uh, couple of years. And this is something different. I mean, we wanted to do something on the ground floor. I got tired of Coop calling me every Sunday night after Cardinals locker room and saying, why are you talking about this? Why aren't you talking about that? And I'm like, Coop, you know, you retired. You should just sit back. Don't worry about what we're doing. You know, and I said, if you really want an outlet, let's find an outlet. So I said, one of these days I'm going to retire. And I did that in September. And I said, we will do a project together. And you and I talked about it. This seemed like a perfect marriage. And we're excited. We can't wait for uh, noon today to get the show off the ground and uh, let Coop unplugged it's gonna really be bruce cooper unplugged there you go that's a great name i've never thought of something like that that's fantastic i'm jack no listen i i just i think it's so cool because there are people this is not fake humility at all there are just people that work so hard that i admire because i want to be like that i know how hard coop works i know how hard you work i know that your idea of retirement is to drop down to the level of work ethic that everybody else has you're still you're still flying high you're still bringing it but then there's probably even more to you when you're able to do it in a relaxed sense and i i can't wait to hear what do you guys have in store with hanging with coop Well, obviously, the Diamondbacks are the story. Um, Mm -hmm. It's just unbelievable. I mean, I've been in this valley for 10 years, and I had one playoff year in 2017 with this team. They beat Colorado in the wild card, and then they went out and got swept by the Dodgers. So (laughs) it is great to see what is going on now, to watch that Milwaukee series, watch them sweep those two games. Coming in from having lost four games in a row, getting swept by the Astros, having to really sweat out making the playoffs. I mean, they really did back into the playoffs, so to speak. And now, all of a sudden, this team has gotten hot at the right time. 
you know, every year something like that happens. Last year with San Diego and Philadelphia and Philadelphia rode the crest all the way into the World Series. It looks like the Diamondbacks are that team of destiny this year. And this is, I can't wait for Wednesday night. Wednesday night at Chase Field is going to be absolutely amazing. It is going to be a riotous crowd. And um, before the game is over, hopefully the Diamondbacks are the ones jumping into the pool. Oh, absolutely. Sweep LA! Sweep LA! I hope, yeah, I hope they bring Puig, too. I hope Puig gets to watch us jump in the pool. That would be awesome. So, uh, you know, in the podcast world, it's in the radio world, it's called resetting. You're supposed to do it like every other question. In the podcast world, it's not as important. But for those of you that I might have gone too fast, again, I want to say it again, Hanging with Coop, that is our new show with Bruce Cooper. It starts today at noon. It's going to be every single Tuesday. You're going to get an hour of Bruce and the co host of the show is the person that's on the left side of your screen. That's Jeff Schneider, the longtime producer at 12 News. And as he already said, he's the one that recruited me for a couple ASU hits a long time ago. And he's the one that said, hey, we want you to join us for 12 Sports and help build the great team that they have there. I love being a part of that group. And then it's just so cool to me that now it reciprocates and you guys decide to come over where uh, where I'm at. Especially the fact that it's grassroots. I love how we're starting where we're starting we keep building a little bit and a little bit and to have guys that are experienced as you join us when you could have looked around and said man you guys got cords everywhere what are we doing but it's it's really cool to me to be able to say this is where we started and now this is just one more feather in our cap to have you guys so you're going to talk a lot of diamondbacks today i want to let you know something and not and nobody knows this coming up this week there's going to be a major article in the athletic and it's going to talk about the workplace environment of the Arizona Cardinals. And it's not going to be very, very, it's not going to have a good sunlight that's going to shine on it. Now, here's where this gets hilarious. So this is, Jeff, this is between you and I, okay? The Cardinals are going to issue a preemptive strike. And they're going to try to release a feel-good story that all of the employees, all of this, not just front office staff, the office staff is going to be flown to L.A. so they can enjoy dinner on dinner on Michael Saturday night and enjoy a game on Sunday to cheer on their Cardinals and come home and then hope to get that promoted where everybody says, wow, that seems like a fun place to work. And uh, I got to know about the pressures for you guys when you were at 12 News with the pressures of Cardinals, because this is a strange town when it comes to the media football relationship. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. When we were doing Cardinal Locker Room, it was, you know, we're, it's a partnership that we have with the Cardinals um, on that show. So there was always a thin line that we had to walk um, in terms of being critical of the team and being. So what we came up with was little bits of uh, segments um, for the fans to kind of voice their opinion. And so when the team had some rough seasons, and believe me, in the seven years that I did Cardinals locker room, there have been some rough seasons. Um, we let the fans be the ones that would bash the team. Um, you know, we would read what the fans said. We would probably pick some of the more, um, you know, obvious um, issues with the team to talk about. But we would let the fans be the ones that would voice their voices 
um, against the team. And that would be our way of kind of giving both sides of the uh, of the story. You know, it's it's interesting. I'm not going to throw him under the, under the bus a little bit, but I'm going to throw him under the bus. Uh, <laughs> Ken Summers once tweeted during a Cardinal locker room that, you know, is why is this show just such a field? You know, the team is one in six and, you know, and they're doing all this feel good stuff. And then he got a whole bunch of Twitter people uh, to agree to um, to agree with him in terms of what he was saying. Well, guess what? Ken Summers is one of our analysts on Cardinals locker room this year. So, uh, you know, so we're giving we're giving him a voice to say what he wants to say about that. So, um, you know, it goes around. I mean, you know, this market I have found, you know, coming from New York, yep. in case you didn't tell the way I talk, um, coming from New York, this market is very, very tame in terms of how the media treats its sports teams. A lot of times the tough questions do not get asked. And, you know, so it's... And why do you think I'm sitting here? Because I I was one of those people that didn't didn't mind asking it, yeah? (laughs) So, um, you know, I mean, I think it's stuff that needs to be done. And I think that, you know, I think Coop has always been very, very cordial to uh, teams and stuff. But I think he does also have some hard opinions that need to be answered. And I think that that's what you're going to see when um, Coop... Um, does his show is because I'm going to ask him the questions that I know he's got on the top of his head and I'm going to get him to uh, to really kind of uh, talk about what he thinks about the teams and things like that. So yes, in addition to Diamondbacks, we're going to talk about the um, the uh, Cardinals and we're going to talk about ASU and we're going to talk about the Suns. Um, we're going to do different segments, but then at the end of the show, we're going to do something called Coop's Island. And okay. that's always been kind of the joke that we've had with Coop is that he's come up with some weird things now, like five, six years ago. I forgot what it was. He wanted to have the the Cardinals trade two number one draft picks to um, to uh, to Texas to get DeAndre Hopkins. OK, they ended okay. Up doing eventually. But we we were at uh, the uh, TPC and Bruce Arians was there and Coop suggested that to Bruce Arians and Bruce just laughed. He said, there is no way any team in the world would trade two number one draft picks to get a wide receiver. Um, so these are the kind of opinions that Coop has. You know, Coop was also right on with this one. He wanted to have um, he wanted the Cardinals to take a running back. I think his name was Adrian Peterson. You may have yeah, heard of him. Yeah. Um, and instead they, they said, the- we'll take Levi Brown out of right, Penn we'll State. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, you know, so he's got some opinions that are out there that are kind of different from what everybody and the norm of what everybody else expects. So I used to say, Coop, you're out there on Coop Island again. You know, I was a Darrell Rebus. Yeah, man. yeah. So yeah. He, was, he was out there on Coop Island. And um, so he is going to have a segment every week on the show where he is going to give one of those kind of uh, opinions that's out there. He still has never gotten over the fact that I would not trade him Jacob DeGrom for Yasmani Tomas. <laughs> Everybody. I would have traded a paper plate for Yasmani Tomas and, 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 been, exactly. and been all right. Because I think, I think he used that at the plate sometimes. Listen, we are so jacked up here at WTSMTV.com to have you. I hope you add a new segment that is Bash the Jets. I think that would be a, an entertaining segment. I think a lot of people well, would I've be got, interested I've in got that. Some things. 
I've got some things to say, but we're, we're, we're going to do a thing called East Coast, West Coast. Okay, and okay. So, uh, you know, he, he's going to get in his stuff with, that he wants to do, and I'm going to bring the audience a little bit up to speak. Because there are so many similarities. We used to talk about this all the time. I mean, uh, you know, you can bash Ken Kendrick all you want about how he was. I had Fred Wilpon for many, many years, <laughs> and he was one of the worst owners. You know, you guys had Robert Sauber, you know, again, uh, yeah. all the things that, you know, owners said. I got Jim Dolan. I mean, you know, it's it's like there were so many similarities between the New York teams that I root for. Because unfortunately, I rooted for all the bad New York teams. Yeah, I rooted yeah. Mets, Jets, Knicks, Rangers. I was not a Yankee fan. I hate the Yankees. Um, and I was not a uh, Giants fan who would at least have, uh, you know, three Super Bowl championships. So um, I'm with Aaron Rodgers with that one lonely championship in the uh, Jets uh, headquarters. And hopefully one of these years, there'll be another one. Hopefully um, I'll be alive to see it. I, I might regret these words because someday I'll be the target here. But if I can make a suggestion, maybe not a regular segment, but with your in, vast media knowledge, the places you've worked, the bosses you've had, the talent you've tried to control, or the talent you tried to kick in the butt, and Bruce Cooper's knowledge of this city and the media in this town, and even the media relations people, I would love for you guys to talk openly about the media and just how you met. It's a, you said tame because you're a nice person. I'll say soft because I know how often I got called into the office for asking tough questions. And, and I look at it like I would love for you guys to critique press conferences, critique questions that weren't asked, challenge the media in this city to be a little more East Coast because I think our fans deserve it. And sometimes I think fans will respect you guys when you defend Defend the media when you say, you know what, that question shouldn't be asked. I know a lot of you want it asked. I think you guys would be the best at being a sports media judge in our city, too. I, I like that idea. We may incorporate that into the show in future weeks. Great, great. Uh, obviously, when deserved, so maybe we, we will go a month without deserving it, but like a floating sure. segment whenever it's deserved to to rip or support the uh, the guys that cover it because uh, you guys have the experience to do it, and now you have the platform. Jeff, thanks for coming. Have a great show. We'll all be watching, and we'll be driving it hard here. All right, Doug, we'll see you in the studio in a couple hours. Thank you. There you go. Jeff Schneider right there joining us. He is former producer, now in front of the camera. He is the co-host of Hanging with Coop every Tuesday, 1 o'clock. This is like Unplugged Army. This is one of those things I cannot I cannot express to you the the connection I have with Jeff Schneider and, and the respect I have for Coop. And to be so honored to have a guy that's been on television as he would, in my opinion, battle it out with Jude LaCava for the best sports anchor and that 12 news team, 12 news team assemble and and have those guys say, okay, we're retired, but we still got something to say. We're still entertaining dudes that we know have been well-respected in this city. Let's go there. Let's go to WTSM. We like what CEO Chris is building. We like what the Unplugged Army is trying to accomplish. It it just feels like such a level of validation to have somebody as respected as Bruce Cooper say, I want to go there. At the same time, what fires me up is you. For you believing in me 
leaving my basement and coming out of, of the closet, or I should say that, of coming out of, of where I was in my hole and then saying, let's go, and joining WTSM, you following, and now you helping build this to the point where a guy like Bruce Cooper wants to come. He doesn't come here without you. Without you stick, sticking through all of my screw-ups, all of my learning, and being part of the Unplugged Army, and I can't stress it enough. That's why I say, please support the sponsors. When you hear me talk about Whirlwind Plus, please don't let it go in one ear and out the other and go, oh my gosh, how many times? you get? You know, The reason why is there's new members of the Unplugged Army all the time. They don't know the, the giving, the, the, give, the back and forth between you and I that you understand that if you're not supporting the sponsors, I'm a dead duck, this thing goes away. Or I have to start charging money. And I, I want to earn it through the advertisers. So again, Whirlwind Plus, save a ton of money, $34 a month or $299 a year. And you get the lowest rate every time you golf at Whirlwind Golf Club. It'll pay for itself in just a couple visits. And if you go to Civlick or the Pro Shop and take advantage of the 15% discount you get when you become a Whirlwind Plus member... Gosh, that, that might even be one or two trips, and you're going to save enough to justify that it's awesome. I'm jacked up for Whirlwind, and this is why they're behind us. Things like that. So thanks. Just want to take a minute and say thank you for us earning the right to get Coop and Jeff to, uh, to join us. And just so you know, that is not Jeff Weir production. That's Jeff Schneider, former production. Jeff Weir production in charge of everything with Doug Franz Unplugged. All right, let's take a break. I've never, I haven't said take a break in 20 years. I don't know why I said that. Uh, coming up next, better than saying take a break. We got a lot of Cardinals to talk about. I haven't really talked about U of A's game against USC. We still have the main event with Steve McCollum coming up. And the roll continues on versus Vegas. Thanks for helping me out. We're doing well today. And I need you. This is Doug Franz Unplugged. Presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. On WTSMTV.com. Again, if you're just tuning in here on WTSMTV.com, Jeff Weir Production and Izzy have just been incredible to help me today. I had a huge meeting, uh, had a, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this publicly, but I had a beer with Kenny Dillingham, talked a lot of ASU with him and some boosters, some of it inside information, some of the cool stuff that I was able to get. Uh, I, I thought was important. Uh, he he told me believe in Jalen Conyers. I'm like, what what's going on with Jalen Conyers? And he goes, believe in Jalen Conyers. There's work to be done, but I, he was he was positive. He go, he's going to get it. He's going to get it. And uh, and I thought that was really an interesting part. So I wanted to share that with you. But uh, there's a lot of off the record stuff and a lot of stuff that uh, that I'll be able to slip in throughout the shows. But that put me behind on pressers and Jeff Weir Production and Izzy have been running around like crazy to get stuff ready for uh, for me to be able to talk about. So I really, really appreciate it. Let's jump into Cardinals. You heard what I mentioned to uh, Jeff Schneider production, <laughs> Jeff Schneider talent, and uh, I think this is a big deal. I, I believe that if you're not a member, if you're not a subscriber to The Athletic, it might be worth it this week. And uh, the Arizona Cardinals don't want you to know what's about to happen, in which the uh, a lot of the things I've been talking about for a long time with the Arizona Cardinals, I think the Athletic is going to, or, or I don't know, is it the Athletic is or Athletic are? 
going to write a huge expose that's going to shine a massive negative light on the Arizona Cardinals. And I think it's going to be very interesting to see how they respond to that. If I'm the Arizona Cardinals, if they care anything about their reputation, I would be talking to everybody that came out and had something to talk about, had something to say. And even if some of those people aren't there anymore, I would be reaching out to them and saying, we don't want to look at this as paying you off. We want to apologize. We want to say we treated you wrongly and we want to make it right. And let's face it, what does that mean? Making a right either means somebody gets their job back or somebody gets paid. Really. And it'll be very interesting to see if they do the right thing when this article comes out. Now, I think some of the employees are going to have a good time going to L.A., but I think this part of the story is hilarious, and you're not going to hear it anywhere here, uh, anywhere else. No one else is going to talk about this. I'm the only one with the courage to do it. But it is my belief, okay, again, I'm not reporting to you, but it is my belief the Arizona Cardinals are going to take a bunch of people, a bunch of office members, and they're going to fly out to L.A. in order to try to show the world, hey, this is a great place to work, almost in response of the athletic article, hoping you don't read it, hoping you miss that, hoping you only hear about the trip. I think that's what they're doing. We'll see if I'm right. You know, maybe I'm going to be dead wrong on this. We'll see. But this is a huge deal that I think is going to come out this week, and I'll keep my eye on it, and I'm going to keep a really close eye on whether or not the Arizona Cardinals show the class to reach out to former employees and do something to make things right. And if they don't, that's why I'm unplugged. Uh, Jonathan Gannon, this is uh, – this is something I, I do like JG. Isn't that funny? I sit here and I rip the Cardinals. I know more than they want me to know. And yet I think they nailed this hire, even though it doesn't look like it. Okay. I think they nailed the hire. This is something that I like. It's the accountability. He was asked, now that you saw the film, what did you think about the performance of your defensive backs? Was it even more frustrating? Did they get more things right than you realized? Because obviously the Jamar Chase numbers are out of this world. What What did you see on the film, Coach? Yeah, I, I, honestly, more disappointed in myself, truthfully. Um, just feel like I think that uh, we could have put our guys in some better spots. But then, you know, there's also a point of details and execution and leverages and knowing where your help is and those things that we got to do a better job of. Um, we talked about it today with them, but um, I just felt like uh, we just could have did a little bit better job from a coaching standpoint to put our guys in better spots. See, he didn't let guys off the hook. He said, I'm more frustrated with myself. I could have done more to put them in a better spot. But there's still issues with leverage. There's still your job is to make my call right, and they didn't do it. But he's always accountable. You know, I'll, I'll never forget. I got so lucky. and I think I've told you this before, so sorry if I'm repeating a story that you don't want to hear. But where I got to learn the game of football from a much better standpoint is when I worked in Kansas City, the offensive coordinator there was a man named Al Saunders, and he allowed me once a year to come in, and we would sit for eight hours, and I would sit there with the entire playbook, and we would watch plays, and he would he would say, okay, what's the play call here? What are you seeing? No, that's not the read. You know, And he treated me like a young quarterback that's screwing up. It was fantastic way to learn, because it also made me feel like this guy is spending time with me to learn, and I'm 
screwing up his time. And it stunk to get stuff wrong in that instance. But, oh, my gosh, did I learn so much. Okay, that's, that's how I feel. And he would say when a screw-up happens, the first thing he does is he goes to the position coach. Why did this happen? Are we coaching this well? How did you relay that information? They need to know whether or not that information is being relayed correctly because if the player's screwing it up, we need to know this player can't handle this play or this player can't handle learning in this way. Is he worth extra attention? Should we cut him? You know, I mean, it's, it's a hardcore business. Why is this screwing up? And then he's looking at himself. Am I coaching you correctly? Is there something you want to say to me on why this isn't happening? Quarterbacks coach, why, you know, and he went down the line and took one play that failed and wondered, where is the failure in communication? What are we doing wrong here? And so that's what JG is saying. You know, I didn't do a good job putting them in position, but he's admitting, however, did you play the play correctly? Did you execute it? No, you didn't really execute it either. All right, the second one, I like this one because he was asked about the penalty situation and how they're doing penalty-wise. And I, he just talked about a, an interesting topic that you might not realize is important, penalty education. Uh, just the education of our players, honestly. You know, things that we've been getting called for, we want to try to clean up, but... You know, penalties, you guys know how I am. They kind of come and they go, just kind of like takeaways. You don't, you know, bang, bang plays. We educate our guys on the refs and what they like to call and the volume that they call them with. Um, but each game's kind of a separate entity. And But I think the improvements that we got to keep making as we move forward is to play penalty free when we can, and especially, you know, I call certain ones bang, bang. They go either way. Um, there are certain penalties, though, that you can't have, and I call those non-negotiables. And we've done a good job with the non-negotiables so, since week one. Um, so that's something that has to stay consistent. You know, you can't plug one hole and then another hole opens up. So got to keep doing a good job with that. falls on the coaches first. Again, accountability. Two penalties in the game. And he said, I have some that are non-negotiable. And since the first game, we've done a good job. That's another credit to coaching that he deserves. You're not good. This team is not good enough to win even with low penalties. Okay, they're going to struggle. You have a bunch of penalties. You're a dead duck. Two penalties for 16 yards. That was it in that game. That's a fantastic number. It also shows you he's still commanding the room. Because they harped on penalties in training camp, and it obviously didn't get through in week one against Washington, and then they've done a good job ever since. So he said this is how it is. I'm not saying players took advantage of it. Kaiser White had a bad hit in game one, but you know I don't know if they were taking advantage of him, but he immediately put the hammer to it, and look how the players are taking him seriously. That's an important level of uh, accountability. Love this question. Uh, the next one. Howard Balzer, who... who you know, no pun intended, has the guts to ask some questions every now and then, says, what's really going on with the fourth quarter? Why are you one of the weakest teams in the fourth quarter? And again, Bengals won the fourth quarter 10 to nothing against the Cardinals. No, I think all the games are different. Honestly, that's a good question, Howard. I think all the games are different. What I'm looking for is consistently doing what your coach to be do, to do. 
Um, and like I said, that starts on coaching first to make sure we're doing that throughout the week. And then on game day, um, you know, like I say all the time, you know, there's 65 snaps in a ball game or whatever it is. 60 of them if you're right, five if you're not. If the ball finds you when you're not, you know, then they make some plays. So just being on all those things consistently is I think we take a jump here coming up. Um. I just, first of all, I like the guts of the question, and I like him admitting that we've got a problem. But he's he's actually it's scary. He's saying it's all different problems for different games. You can't underestimate the losing of the safeties. And if you didn't hear it in four minute offense, it was funny. That's life in the NFL. He was asked about the injuries at the safety position, and he's like, you know, "We got to deal with it. It is huge. It is a huge problem." And it's just going to get worse. I, I think this team was already bad, but their only strength was the safeties being able to bail out the corners, who I think the corners are weak, and making sure Buda Baker makes sure everybody's lined up right. It's so easy for one guy to be in the wrong gap, one guy to mess up, and you don't have that defensive accountability without Buda Baker back there. Now you lose Jalen Thompson, too. Uh, this is an uphill climb. This is probably a game where the Rams get right. You know, the Rams have been kind of up and down this year. I bet they can get right at home against the Cardinals, and it has a lot to do with uh, with Buddha. Speaking of injuries, this is kind of funny. Cam Cox is trying. Cam Cox 12 News is trying. Let's, let's find something out. And he asks it in all seriousness. He looks at he looks he looks coach dead in the eye. And, look, and watch the way the coach kind of throws the question back at him. Cam Cox says, Coach, when are you, really, when are you guys going to start having serious conversations about Kyler Murray's health and bringing him back. We, we have serious conversations every day, Cam. So when he's ready to go, he'll go. <laughs> I love the tone of the question, Cam. I did. But you can see when he dropped his name in there, it's like, Cam, you're not getting me. I'm not slipping up and telling you what the future of Kyler Murray is. I don't – here's why. The reason why they're playing this game is very simple. They don't want to be wrong and then have everybody upset. They don't want to say Kyler's coming back week eight and then he comes back week ten and everybody's mad for two weeks. There's also an element – I think this is part of the plan. Kyler has been a guy that's refused to play hurt. Kyler has been a guy that everything in his world has to be hunky-dory. I've never said that phrase in my life. In order for him to get out there. So if they say he's ready and he refuses to play, now you've got that dynamic too. And they want to avoid that. They're kind of walking through, walking on thumbtacks here a little bit. And I, I think it's cheese ball. I think they should I think they should show their toughness and say, we expect Kyler Murray to play week nine. And just set the bar. Make him go get it. Is that fair for a lot of athletes? No, not coming off an ACL. It is not fair. I think it's fair to Kyler because when you set the reputation that we've had to beg you to play in the past when you're a little banged up, I think that's how you handle people like that. That's it for Cardinals. No ASU because of a bye weekend. So Kenny Dillingham did not have a press conference yesterday. I had a great talk with him one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. Give a little bit of credit to two other members of the media that were there. Hode Rubino stopped by and uh, uh, Chris Cartman came by as well. So I want to give I, I want to let you know who are some of the hardworking dudes that are covering ASU. And they stopped by kind of a little top secret meeting with Coach. So uh, that shows you that they work hard. And, uh, and we use a lot of the stuff that Sun Devil Source 
with Chris Cartman is able to put up. So I want to give him a free plug. Let's quickly get to some Je- – ah, boy, I'm running out of time. I'm sorry, everybody. I really wanted to do some Jed Fish. I hate to do this to you. I'm going to now save it all the way until Friday, but I do want to get one in. Um, could you give me Jed 4, if you don't mind? Sorry to throw you a curveball, uh, Jeff Weir Production. The reason why I want this is he kind of drops the hammer a little bit. It's a two-part question, but I, I'm really only focused on one of the answers. A lot of people, myself included, think Fafita should be the starting quarterback. And he was asked, how do you feel? How do you keep the clamoring down? Your fan base, your supporters say it's time to bench Delora. What do you say to them? The the first question is, I mean, we haven't made a decision in this program once about what – you know, we, we decide what we think is best for the program from everything that we know and do and see. And we don't just um, listen to others in that decision. Uh, when it comes down to deciding who the starting quarterback is, um, when we played USC last year and lost 45-37 and Jaden threw three touchdown passes, ran for another um, and had 387 yards passing. Everybody was clamoring that he should have been the player of the week. Um, I think that nobody, uh, everybody has short-term memories. Everybody likes to live in the now, live in the present. Uh, Noah has done a fantastic job, and having two quarterbacks is better than none. And um, I think we're in a very good place at the quarterback position as we move forward. Um, I would also say that, uh, you know, I've lived through a lot of these. I've lived through a lot of these. I lived through situations where your starting quarterback is playing. He earned his uh, position. Backup quarterback goes in. Backup quarterback plays well. Starting quarterback goes back in. Starting quarterback plays even better than he's ever played. Um, I've seen it the other way. I've seen it in every way, shape, or form over 25 years and 20 of them coaching quarterbacks. So uh, I look forward to both of those guys getting better every week, and we'll figure out as we go um, how that process works. Uh, in turn of, I don't know who's going to start this week because I don't know how healthy Jaden is. Um, we'll see. He's healthier than he was last week. He's better than he was the week before. And um, we'll let that uh, play out as, as we roll into this uh, next game. Um, I think that uh, everybody's looking for wins, and that's what everybody's excited about. And, um, you know, we started the season 3-1. and one. We've lost the last two in a row, and our goal is to get back on the winning side of things this coming week. That's pretty detailed. I think they're making a a mistake going back to Delora. He is right. There's a chance Delora is better. There's a chance Delora sees, wow, look what taking care of the football does. We're a better team taking care of the football. I've got to start playing team football, not challenging for stats and throwing it into coverage. Maybe he gets better by realizing it's thrown in his face that he wasn't playing well. But I go the other way. The reason Bill Belichick's getting a lot of heat right now and is deserved. He had a terrible decision last year in having an offensive coordinator come out of the defensive ranks that wasn't prepared to do it. He's totally stunted the growth of Mac Jones. I won't back down that Mac Jones would have been a good quarterback. And Bill Belichick, yeah, I'm actually saying this, to this point has destroyed Mac Jones in my opinion. It's all Belichick's fault. He deserves to get ripped for it. However, he was the guy that built his team around Drew Bledsoe and then saw what Tom Brady was doing. And when Drew Bledsoe was healthy, said, we're going to stick with Tom. He's the one that did that. So to all the coaches that say, hey, my starting quarterback is my starting quarterback, all right, all right. 
that means you would have kept Tom Brady on the bench. I say you bench Delora. All right, coming up next, got the main event. Steve McCollum going to highlight what's coming up on his show. He gets excited about the D-backs and getting some talk in with Dale Hellestray. And we've got Versus Vegas. This is awesome. Glad you're here. Thanks for being a part of Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. It's big, it's juicy, it's meaty. Get your burrito at Burrito Express. If you're having a hangover, a bad day, even a good day, still get your burrito at Burrito Express. It will make you feel better. Burrito Express started with my father about 25 years ago. He got laid off and decided that he needed to do something to provide for his family. My brother and I were older teens, 17, 18 year old. And I'm going to do a trial out of my house. So literally we decided we're going to start out of his house. So we delivered uh, menus in a square mile area, literally started delivering burritos out of our home in Mesa, Arizona. And after about a month, he said, let's do this. Went and found his first location. And believe it or not, that's how it started. We started with one location back in 1995. Now we're where we are now. I, I hope I haven't driven you crazy today by continually thanking everybody, but it, it, it's weird. Imagine you've got five avenues, you're driving down one, and yet that means... Th- you know, the, the other four avenues is going crazy and things aren't going well there. But, hey, you did something well over here. That was That's what my day and my night has been like, doing so much yesterday for one direction, but not getting stuff done in the other four directions. And I would like to thankfully say, I don't think you know that. <laughs> I don't think you were able to tell because of the work of Jeff Weir Production and uh, and Izzy this morning to help me on Doug Franz Unplugged. And the same thing goes to Steve McCollum and, and Dale Hellestray because I didn't turn in an outline today to Jeff Weir Production. So that meant I'm kind of flying by the seat of the pants, and I'm I'm a little late getting to uh, Steve. Steve, good morning. How's uh, how's life? What's coming up on the main event? Uh, life's good. Uh, you know, obviously Diamondbacks talk. Uh, you know, Braves, American League uh, kicking off tonight. But um, I got a lot of comments on that Jed Fish situation, of course, with the quarterback. And then uh, we we bl- we uh, you know put a bow on the NFL week and do our discussions. A lot of coaches on the uh, firing line, and then Frank Wright making some comments yesterday. That makes me wonder if he knows this about a head coach. Why does he take a job? Yeah, exactly. You know what? The thing is that I about Frank Reich, I don't, he never came out and said it. No one actually totally reported it. But, but we they, knew it. But they continually showed his style of quarterback mm-hmm. over the years, and it always fit like Anthony Richardson. Mm-hmm. It always was like that. No, just say C.J. Stroud because that's who he wanted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you have a different quarterback than what it looked like you wanted, yeah. and and you went in a different direction. And it was either a Richardson or it was or it was a, a, a Bryce or it was a Stroud, and then now you have this guy, and it's like. Well, if you did, you take the job thinking you had power. Yeah. And if you didn't, why did you take the job? And that's so I still kind of think that's on him. Yeah, I do. I put it on. Well, I put it on him because of Indianapolis. Same thing happened in Indianapolis. He didn't want any of those old guys that can't move. Yeah. And he had to put up with it. So if you're in that situation, why do you go to another place where the owner's going to meddle? Because uh, it's not a secret that the owner meddles there. Yeah. It's not a secret at all in Carolina. So uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about that a little bit. Of course, uh, Dale and him are good friends from the uh, Buffalo Bills days. So it's always fun uh, when I when I get a bash Dale's friends. 
I will always remember Frank Reich for uh, I was in college living in a house my junior year and we went back to school before classes had started because we wanted to get away from our our families I think and it was yeah. me and a buddy but we got there too early and the heat wasn't on in the house so we watched the famous Bills comeback against the Oilers yeah. in a house that was about minus 10 degrees it was hilarious to see two college students wrapped up in blankets and yeah. winter coats sitting so, on a couch so it was like you're in Buffalo that's it we felt exactly <laughs> like we were in uh we were in Buffalo you just for to that start game. jumping off some tables and doing stuff like that you would have been all right I know they're not gonna do it but I'm gonna ask you your opinion on what I'm about to say tomorrow night six o'clock walk onto the field in teal wear the purple and teal tomorrow yeah I, I don't I don't Nobody gives a shit about uniforms. <laughs> I think. I think fans. <laughs> you made me cuss, Doug. I think fans forever. Look at this hat, by the way. I, I know. I think fans in this city are sick of the Sedona red. I don't disagree. And they would love to see that. And and don't tell anybody you're going to do it. Just come out yeah. and sweep the Dodgers in your old purple. Yeah, that would be so Phoenix for everybody to flip out about uniforms. I and I'm a uniform guy, and I, I hate those purple and teals. But I also I, I hate the Coyotes. You know, Kachina jerseys, too. I think they're the ugliest thing on the planet. Really? Uh, but, it's it's kind of like tradition, even though I don't know if they've been around long enough yeah, that you get problem, tradition. Yeah, that's the problem, right? Uh, but I understand why everybody else likes them. So if they come out purple, I don't care what they come out. Yeah. It's going to win. Who cares, baby? Look, you're not winning. You're winning without them. Then you go to purple and teal and you lose. You win. I, I look at it like you win both ways. If you win in the purple teal, you get everybody excited. And if you lose in it, well, now you go back to Sedona Red with a better starting <laughs> yeah. pitcher and everything worked. But can uh, we all get behind the fact that those serpentine uh, uniforms suck? Can we all get behind that, or am I alone on that? Too? Um, I I don't love it, but I don't hate it. I actually like the logo better than the D-backs logo. Uh -huh. It's the fact that the uniforms look like uh, you know they were laying on the they were literally laying on the infield dirt all day getting sunbaked. I love on. the Serpientis black with the yeah. with the with the sand pants. Yeah. I love that yeah. look. Right. Yeah, that all, but that's not the ones that they wear. Yeah, it's like when they went remember when they went to that all gray uniform yeah. for that season and it was just disgusting. Like, with that with that weird teal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like yeah, I like teal it. but not not as a, like faded into each other, remember? Yeah. Like it didn't even like it wasn't two different colors. It just rotate morphed into it. Yeah, they went crazy yeah. and that was the yeah. year with the the snakeskin shoulder just, pads. Just remember folks, no matter what you're doing as a job, uh, there's always somebody worse because millions of the hundreds of thousands of dollars goes into these uniform designs and everything and people blow it. Look at Maryland's uniforms and people blow it every day and they spend a lot of money on that stuff. So just remember, no matter how bad you are at your job and you feel like your boss is picking on you. Uh, there's always a job out there for you because those people stay employed. That's classic. What are you uh, coming up on the main event? What are you focused on Delora-wise since you uh, uh, dropped a little hint? Because basically it's, the coach said, Steve, yeah. I'm not listening to you. He's got to say that, though. He's losing recruits left and right, and the recruits are coming out and saying, Arizona's not the program that's going to get me where I want to go. They're flat out saying that, right? Mm -hmm. So he's got to say it because if you bench Delora, he's gone which is fine. You have a Bashit kid, supposedly, unless he had decommits, uh, which seems to be a trend right now. Uh, he's coming in next year. But I get it. Everybody's throwing out these stats, and he did it too. Uh, Jed Fish did it too on Delore. Well, if Delore did this, Delore did that. Do the eye test. You played number seven Washington. You played USC last week in California. Redshirt freshman goes in. Two interceptions over the two weeks. The team played better. The team had more energy with them. There were no costly turnovers, meaning you know when you're driving for a touchdown late in the game to win it, and he throws a pick six or whatever. None of that happened. 
You cannot switch back to the guy that you know it's going to happen. I don't care who you are. I don't care anything. If DeLore wants to transfer and take his ball and go home, let him. Arizona, you have your future quarterback right now. So you go with him if you want to win. If he goes back to DeLore, he's sending the message, I'm loyal to my guys because I don't want him to transfer. And that's the wrong message for him to send on a program that's right on the verge. Hey, even though we're going to versus Vegas, and, and, I, and I got a, a pick for you, I got to say, Steve, along the lines of what Steve just said, remember Mike Bercovici. When you go into that building at the Coliseum, you play like that and you keep winning. You don't go to Taylor Kelly. You stay yeah. with Mike Bercovici. Yeah. And when I – I have a general rule. If my redshirt freshman has five touchdown passes and one pick in the Coliseum – you're now my starting quarterback. You're no longer my backup. I mean, it's a tough decision for him because if he, I think if he goes with the true freshman and he fails, you go, okay, look, it was a true freshman deal. If he goes with Delore and he fails, everybody's going to go, hey, you should play the other guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a no-win situation for him, and it is a first crack in him, meaning this might be the start of uh, Jet Fish being the ex-future U of A coach in a couple years. No way. Because he makes a bad decision. I, I will say he becomes the ex-coach because he gets promoted. Because he becomes the head coach of Nebraska. Not, not well, well, the way what's-his-name's doing there. But uh, the, I, I normally agree with you on that, except for the fact that uh, you make this bad of a quarterback decision, I don't know how you get promoted to a bigger school. Uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not denying that part of it, but <laughs> I, it might work. Yeah, Vegas, give me the versus Vegas thing, so I get out of here. Okay, Steve, coming up with uh, Dale Hellestray here on WTSFTV.com. Part of our today, seven hours of continual sports coverage. We're the only station in Phoenix that gives you six straight hours of morning sports talk. Now we're going for seven. Doug Franz unplugged, six to eight in the morning. Steve McCollum with Dale Hellestray, the main event. 8 to 10. Izzy on Sports, 10 to noon. And now today, the debut edition of, or I almost gave the debut of Izzy, the debut edition of Hang In with Coop, the legendary sports anchor of 12 News, Bruce Cooper, is going to have his own show with his longtime producer, Jeff Schneider, who comes out from behind the camera and is now hopefully gets to see what it's like to be talented, screw things up from time to time. And I hope. Jeff Weir Production or Izzy or CEO Chris, whoever's producing, hanging with Coop, just rip Jeff Schneider. Just let him know what it's like to be a producer in the ear of talent. Wait, what? I'm trying to stop. What? Just drive him nuts. I want you to just make noises during the whole broadcast. Jeff. Just, just make noises in his ear. You don't think that's funny at all, and I know you don't. But TV people think that's funny. And I'm not even a TV producer. But oh my gosh, TV producers in your ear. All right. And just as Steve McCollum just said, hey, get to versus Vegas, okay? Um, Something crazy is going on here. Okay, it's time to officially say it. Heater. Uh, yesterday, I said take the Diamondbacks plus the run and a half. I said I think they're going to win, but why not take the run and a half if I'm getting it? Diamondbacks win four to two. I got that game right. I said Atlanta on the money line because I think they're fired up, but I don't trust. I think the Phillies are too good to just blanketly say that the Braves will be able to cover the run line. So I went money line. Needed it. Got that right. Phillies a loser 5-4. If you would have taken Braves to cover the run line, you would have been wrong. 
So I had not great juice on those two games, but I crushed it, got them both right, had a good day, went 2-0. and That officially makes the heater now 11-1-1. Yes. From last week through this week, 11-1-1 right now. Feeling pretty good. Feeling pretty good. However, only one game I like today. There's two games. Texas-Baltimore is a game, and uh, Twins and Astros. I like the Twins on the money line today. Just to be soft, I admit, I would probably go with a half unit. I'm going by pitching matchup, even though I think it's going to be a little bit of a bullpen game. But I, I like Minnesota's fire. I like the fact that it's in Minnesota. That matters to me because Twins fans are fantastic fans, and it gets very loud in that building. I actually think Toronto struggled with the crowd noise of, of playing against Minnesota. And Minnesota was one of the few home teams. Well, it went 2-2, two and two, I think. Home teams with a two-game sweep and road teams with a two-game sweep. Minnesota was one of the home teams that swept in the wild card round. I like Minnesota winning game three, so I'm going to take Minnesota on the money line as my only game for today. That does it for today's version of Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at, at Wild Horse Pass. Your producer, Jeff Weir Production, uh, helping him out while he was getting ready for the main event, which he produces, and while he was getting ready for his own show, Izzy on Sports, is Isaiah Jackson, who helped out along with CEO Chris. Everybody helped pick me up uh, as uh, today's going to be a long, tough day. Podcast-wise, I plan on trying to drop a little bit of audio for you tomorrow, but Doug Franz Unplugged will be hosted by a cavalcade of local people in this room or in this building to be able to help pick me up as I'm not going to be here Wednesday and Thursday as I fly up to Buffalo because I I want to shake Wolf's hand and, and remind him of how much that he means to me and I know what his family means to him. So that's why I've decided to fly up to Buffalo today to uh, to be able to attend the viewing of uh, of his younger brother. And I know he's in uh, a lot of pain, and it means a lot to me to be able to take advantage of my being fired situation. And uh, thanks a lot to CEO Chris for his understanding, because this is not the time to leave. October, a playoff team, a playoff game coming up Wednesday night, and uh, it just isn't the time to do this. But I'm sure that's exactly how Wolf feels losing his younger brother, and, uh, and that's why I'm going up. Thanks a lot to Parker & Sons, heating, cooling, plumbing, and electrical. Proud sponsor of Doug Franz Unplugged, 602-2-REPAIR. That's 602, the number two, then R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker & Sons, heating, cooling, plumbing, and electrical. Getting hungry? Oh, yeah. Bell's Nashville Kitchen, especially if you've never done that Sunday brunch. It is fantastic food for breakfast. I love going to Bell's now that I've done it for the first time for uh, for Sunday. They're located on Main Street, just about 50 feet east of Scottsdale Road. Very easy to get to. If you're hungry for a breakfast burrito, the best in the world are Burrito Express. They've got seven locations across the east side. The official sports bar of Duck Franz Unplugged is the Rosati's in Chandler. They're located at Ray and McQueen. And of course, the presenting sponsor home of the Whirlwind Plus plan is the Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. You can sign up right now. Go to unplugged at whirlwind.com. Unplugged at whirlwind.com. Spell out the word at. It's not the little at symbol. 
unplugged at whirlwind.com and you can find out all about becoming a whirlwind plus member and save a ton of money on one of the best golf courses in the uh, in the state had a great show today i had a lot of fun with you thanks for supporting me the main event's up next i'll kind of see you tomorrow